Welcome back. Howdy. I don't know I don't know what that like sportscaster uh voice was, but it's your alter ego. It's okay. You know, sometimes when my friend Steve watches sports, I um pretend like I know what's going on and I like do a play by play situation. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, that guy touched the ball. That one kicked it over there. And then I know a few of the players' names. So I'll just, you know, say those a lot. And then Steve will be like, he's not even on this team. Yeah. <laughs> so, he doesn't play this sport. Yeah. That's okay. No, I at least know the names of a handful of players for for soccer that Steve watches, but I never know which teams are on. So that's really all you need to know. Yeah. For sure. I used to do yeah. that with soap operas, except for I'd like mute the channel and like talk for them. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it's a fun I would watch that. time in like hotel rooms by yourself. Yeah. You know? It's I a good good way to live out your your drama, you know? Like totally. insert insert your own madness into it. Yeah. Exactly. It's sometimes I like get it right. You know, like what? <laughs> yeah. Like well, one they time only this guy have... was like walking out of a courtroom and I was like, yo, bro, I'm going to go get some ice cream. And he went to an ice cream stand. And I was like, stop, oh, it. stop that's it. crazy. They, there are only so many storylines that soap operas have to like keep recycling. So at some point you're going to get it right. Yeah, true. <laughs> Maybe I you have know? seen they, it before. I don't they know. Also... They run for like a million seasons. So it's like, it's always, they're recycling stuff all the time. Totally. True. They have to. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we have a few exciting announcements. First and foremost, we have a new patron. Oh, what? Our friend Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> plants? Johnny Plants. Mr. Oh plants. My God. Oh my God. Plants. Stop it, Johnny yeah. Plants. You. Yeah. I, you're tattooed in a plant on my body. <gasps> oh, <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. This is special. <laughs> this is, yeah. It's a plant and out of it, it says Johnny. <gasps> like a little, <gasps> a little bloom, yeah. a little sprout. Right. It's adorable. Right. That's gorgeous. Gorgeous. It's right Where on the did shin. we get this accent? Oh, and just another fun reminder. Uh, is it fun? <laughs> But uh, 20% of our merch sales this month are going to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. That goes through March 31st. So pick yourself up something nice. Help us make a little donation. I'm throwing in a few extra bucks. Uh, A few people have also sent donations like specifically to go towards it. So that is lovely. You guys are the best. And then you guys another sweet we got. We got the best email, what? and I want to read it to you guys. Please. This is from our friend Matthew. <gasps> Hi, Matthew. Hi. Hey, ladies. We love you. Yes. yes. We do. We love Matthew. We really do. And Matthew says, hey, ladies, I just wanted to send an email of appreciation. I think I can speak for all listeners when I say thank you. For all of the hard work you put in each week, you bring smiles and laughter to all of our days and are helping bring some light to these dark times. We all appreciate you. We all love you. Chris and I are so glad we've become friends with you. So if any of you need anything, feel free to reach out. Matthew. I'm getting teary-eyed. Do you see this? <laughs> Don't make crying. us cry. Can We're you crying. Girls- see yes oh, oh, oh making me emotional Matthew we, thank you so much love for y'all. that that means a lot 
We do it for the people, you know? Mm-hmm. We really do. So that it is exactly uh, what we do this for. So thank you so much and uh, we love you. And we're gonna keep chugging away at these ghost stories. We love ghost yeah, yeah. stories. And uh we're the golden ghouls, Alyssa, Kylie, Emily. And it's time to get spooky. You guys, I got spooky this weekend. Let me tell you. So I'm still in my mediumship class with my mentor and my the whole class. Everyone is wonderful. But I've been feeling a little bit like down. I haven't really had anything happen recently. Nothing like super validating. So I've just been feeling like a little in the dumps. But yesterday, we had a field trip to Oakwood Cemetery, which I believe we've talked about on the podcast, but it's not far from my house. So I walk there a lot and just like explore the cemetery. But when we first got there, there were, oh God, probably 20 of us showed up. There were a bunch of us who showed up. Nice. And so um, we all went in separate directions. Our task was to just go out by ourselves. And, you know, listen, see, just be present and take in what we what we heard. So I walk into the the big annex of the cemetery, which I know we discussed this on the podcast. It's a it's a really big cemetery, but there's a few different sections of it. And so I went over to the main portion. And as soon as I walk in, I start getting these like images of Christmas morning and just feeling like people, someone is really sad. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to ask questions and figure out, you know, who this message is for or what this pertains to. And nothing is coming to me. So I drop it. I push it out and I move on and I start getting a name and whatever they're unrelated and then I drop that because nothing is really coming and I'm walking around and I'm still thinking about the Christmas thing right and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden clear as day this name pops into my head Letty and I'm saying okay how do I spell this do I spell this with one t or two t's because sometimes if I hear a name I'll try and like research them after the fact Mm -hmm. and whoever this person was said I will show you and I Stop walk it. straight and I, they, I land right at this grave and her name is Letty Collins. <gasps> Stop it. Wow. Yes. Alyssa. And I got chills. Your powers are getting stronger. I, seriously, <laughs> I fell down on the ground and I was just like <laughs> weeping because it was finally all coming to me, like the way that her family had been feeling about her. And she passed away a few days before Christmas. Oh, no. Oof. So I think that's what it was, is that her family, whoever went to visit her, had like, because it wasn't her personally. It was someone who who wanted to visit her, but couldn't, you know? Got it, got it. So I think that like, it was really just they wanted someone there with her to be present with her. Yeah, like acknowledging her. Yeah, and I just, like, fell on the ground and started weeping, and I just sat with Letty for a while, and, like, you know, but it was just very validating and so just bizarre, because nothing, you know, I've had so many things happen, but it was just so 
specific. That name was like clear as day in my head. And I was like, okay, how do I spell it? Is it one T or two T's? But then I've been trying to learn more about her. I can't really find a lot about her, but I found stuff on her grandchildren. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping to like continue to do research and just see if there's something else that I can, you know, help her or her family with. But yeah, my gal, Letty. Wow. You know what you're going to have to do? What? Visit around Christmas. Oh, I know. Right. I'm going to have to bring her you know? something. You need to do yeah. that for sure. Yeah. Christmas, little Christmas gift. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I wonder if anyone still visits her because... I'm trying to remember what year she passed away, but there were a few people within the plot from her family and none of them seemed like super recent passings. So, mm-hmm. you know, after a time, people kind of stopped visiting. So. Wow. Wow. That's some powerful yeah. stuff. That's what I, oh, Kylie, I was just going to oh. say that's powerful oh. stuff. Oh. So that's some powerful, <laughs> powerful stuff, dude. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm gonna go back for her, so good, my gal. We love Letty. We love her. Yes, I have some uh, cemetery stories, but have we have we told the people what we're talking about today? Oh my god, we haven't. No. <laughs> it's it was a little foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. I went to a cemetery. Uh, Kylie's gonna tell us about a cemetery, but we're going to Maine. The great state of Maine. I love Maine. Maine. I've been once as a child. Um, I've had terrible motion sickness my whole life. Mm. And my parents thought it was a good idea to take me on a boat. And then I um, (laughs) proceeded to vomit on the hotel room bed. No. Yeah. So What it means to be from Maine. Yeah. (laughs) Bomb.com. Well, that's okay. Yeah. She's sailing is hard. Was it sailing? Uh, no, I, I don't, it was like a large, a large, a large vessel. (laughs) Yeah. And the seas are rough. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the coast of Maine, they can get pretty wild. Yeah. But it was beautiful. Was it? Mm -hmm. Especially along the coast. Mm -hmm. It's also such a huge state. I mean, it's not as big as Texas or California, but. Compared to all the other states around here, <laughs> it's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> Takes about four hours to get from Boston to Bangor, Maine, which is the location of the spot I'm about to tell you about. Oh. I'm about to tell you about. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Giving us the old razzle-dazzle. <laughs> Jazz hands. Woo-woo. So we're going to Mount Hope Cemetery. And as I mentioned... Bangor, Maine, which is where my first roommate, college roommate, is from. And then also um, an old co-worker. He is also from Bangor. And he um, told me to talk about something specific, which I will get to after we talk about Mount Hope Cemetery. So this cemetery, 12 acres, that's a decent size. And it was basically made as a cemetery and horticultural activity combo so oh a garden well, <laughs> okay I was like, we love a garden yeah <laughs> <laughs> it is the second oldest garden cemetery in the united states and it was designed by architect charles g bryant in 1834 and built by the bangor horticultural society 
the same year that Bangor became an official city. Congratulations, Ooh. Bangor. So the cemetery, and this I did not know until this evening, the cemetery was modeled after my favorite cemetery of all time, Mount Auburn Cemetery in Boston. Mm, okay. So picture a pond, elevated plots, many trees. It's very lush. Um, St. Auburn actually has stained glass. Um, I'm not sure if Mount Hope Cemetery has any stained glass, but both cemeteries have kind of the like romantic era style, if you will. Gorgeous. Exactly. Georgina. Georgina. So this was the preferred cemetery for Bangor's 19th and early 20th century elite. So, you know, mostly Civil War generals and politicians, lots of white dudes. The vice president, (laughs) the vice president under Lincoln. Anyone know who that was? Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. You're testing us. This is horrible. Hannibal Hamlin. Oh, yeah. Hanny. Which is Hanny Hammy. Han- yeah, Han- Hanny Ham, which is, that's how you're going to remember that one. So he's yeah, chilling okay. there. Hanny Ham. Hanny Ham. Y'all ready? And this is where it all comes together. Uh-huh. The movie Pet Cemetery was oh, filmed in Mount Hope Cemetery. Stop. So, so we've that all seen it. We've all been out. here. So now we all know what I'm talking about. Remember like, <laughs> so for- when he came with the knife? The, the brought to life little boy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it all happened here. Too cute for that. (laughs) He was so cute. That's what's scary. That's what's scary when they're cute. You're right. Cute killers. So, for those who don't know what we're talking about, Pet Cemetery is spelled incorrectly. It is a 1989 horror film based on Stephen King's 1983 book of the same name, Pet Cemetery. It's a spooky flick. Did y'all see the remake? No, because I was Uh, scarred by the first one. I and then the cat was I, evil, and I love cats. Right? Yeah, the cat. Yeah. I saw the remake. I wasn't impressed. Alyssa, did we see it in theaters? Maybe we did. I think I, I did. I think we may have gone together. You we just have bad did? memories. <laughs> it, it was. And, and we probably asked you, and you so, were like, I'm not doing so bad. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I know You're people. Like, I'm good. I know people liked it, but I, I did not. Yeah. It's hard when it's. A remake of a Stephen King flick. I've realized over the past few years. Yeah, yeah. I want to like the remake so bad, but this—it's just—I don't know. They're never Something's the same off. the second time. Yeah, true. Exactly. So a little bit about Stephen King. My family and I sat next to him in a restaurant in Maine one time. Oh, oh, cool. Very cool. Oh my, very gosh. cool, Kylie. Super cool. Did you see what he ordered? <laughs> No, but Dang. it was probably something fancy. It was a fancy restaurant. Yeah. Probably lobster or seafood, but who knows? Oh, I want some. Who knows? But he's not like a super <laughs> fancy guy. Oh, he's not? Or maybe or maybe he is. Oh. Maybe he lives both lives. Who knows? Who knows? But he was born in uh, Portland, Maine, but lived in Bangor for quite some time. I think he's still there. So back in the day, he would frequent Mount Hope Cemetery for fun because he's weird like us you know and rumor has it he used names off of headstones to name his characters Mm. one being carrie oh shoot (gasps) Ah, interesting i wonder if he named molly his dog after 
someone in the cemetery. Who knows? We're going to have to ask Stephen. <laughs> Stephen King, we know you're a huge fan. <laughs> Email us at the Golden Goals Podcast at gmail.com. Hello, Stephen. Like, hey. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. It's the Golden Goals. <laughs> He's like, please leave me alone. So, my friend Jeff, my old coworker, I don't think I said his name yet. Jeff and his, um, his lovely mother, Pam, would bring him to Mount Hope Cemetery as a kid just for fun. And here's another fun fact. His dad um, is a, I want to say UPS, maybe USPS. Yeah, UPS driver, delivery, delivery driver. And on his route was Stephen King's house. And he said that in order to drop off packages, he had to go through this like almost underground tunnel type mm-hmm. pathway to drop off the packages. So living the life. I love that. I love that. I know. Su- right? It's suspect and it's Stephen King. It makes sense. Yeah. I, you know? I need an underground delivery tunnel. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Don't we all? Then your packages won't get stolen. Never. You know? And then you'll have, you know, three ridiculous girls talking about it years later on their podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So this is also the resting place of an infamous gangster, Al Brady. So I don't know if y'all know him or remember him. We haven't talked about him before, um, but it's a big... There's a big story about the Brady gang in Bangor. And um, he was, you know, he's been wanted by the FBI. And um, you know what? I'm going to give you a little bit of of background on him. So Brady, he lost his parents and his stepfather all before the age of 18. And two months after his stepfather's death, he committed his first robbery, strawberry in Indiana. Strawberry. Stop. This is a strawberry. <laughs> I would I that would make me drop and roll. That I said it like that on purpose, just so you know. Just so you know. This yeah. was this was an intentional Oh shoot. I thought this was a joke. Robbery. This is I, a well, strategic, yeah, I was, se- I was a setting a it up. Strategic. It's <laughs> cheese sticks. Cheese it's Oh, y'all, those toasted Cheez-Its are so good. <laughs> Sponsored by Cheez-Its. Maybe I'll go get some after this. Hello, Cheez-Its. What is wrong with me? Hello. Hi, <laughs> Stephen King, and we've got Cheez-Its on the line. <laughs> oh, my God. We need help. <laughs> that would be the, um, what's that meme that's going around? Ideal blunt. Um, oh, like the circle, like you're passing yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen King, Al Brady, <laughs> cheese it. And just one large cheese it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all so high. Okay. Surprisingly, so, we are Al Brady. We are not. <laughs> yeah, right. Surprisingly. Again, this is how we oh are now. God. Imagine if imagine us if we were to smoke. It wouldn't um <laughs> I would pass out. I would probably end up in the emergency room. I would end up in Mount Hope Cemetery. Same. I think I would be fine, but. (laughs) (laughs) 
She's like, I've built up a little bit of a tolerance. I just go too hard every time. It's like I can't. There's no happy medium for me. It's like zero to outer space. And there's no in between. Yeah. True. (laughs) True. Sometimes. True. These things happen. So (laughs) old Al Brady, he's he's angry. He's had a he's had a tough childhood. And he commits his first strawberry in Indiana. And he ended up being shot. He's released from jail. He teamed up with three other gangsters. So this gang, the Brady gang, stole car- Not the Brady Bunch. Okay. A fine line. Yeah. However, okay, thanks for not clear- the same. Got to clarify Not that. the same. So they're running around the Midwest. And they're stealing cars. They're committing armed strawberries. A lot at grocery stores, I guess, I don't know. That's like their chosen spot. Maybe they just want some snacks. They want some Cheez-Its. Mm-hmm. Um, they murdered this poor 23-year-old store clerk. No. What? Right? And a policeman in oh, one of their yeah. uh, Come on, y'all. Yeah. So they're, they're you know, they're bad dudes. They're they're killing people. And the police, you know, they're, they're chasing them. So they end up going to Bangor, Maine. <laughs> Why not? And they f- they went because they figured like it was an easy place to get a large number of guns. They they were super into guns. They were like, think of like your Facebook friend that's all about guns, like your Instagram friend no. or your Facebook friend that like loves guns. I don't think I have any of those left. I I, I had to leave Facebook. Oh that. yeah, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> well, imagine that species in your head. This is okay. this was them. They're just like loving gums, guns, yeah. Um, and Bangor, Maine in general, great hunting. So they're they're like, all right, there's a bunch of guns there. <sighs> These people. So they begin negotiating this purchase of this Thompson submachine gun at this sporting goods store downtown. This is in 1937, and Brady he asked the owner for <clears throat> 500 rounds. And they took out this large roll of money, <laughs> which made the owner a little sus. He's like, okay, this is not a normal transaction. And these guys look and smell like gangsters. So he called the cops. Oh, no. While, while they were in the middle of the transaction. And basically was like, so when the gangsters come back in three weeks to pick up the guns, meet us here. So that's what happened. On October 12th, 1937, <gasps> ooh, there were a bunch of FBI agents just waiting in ambush, you know, like inside the store, across the street. And so one of the gangsters, he entered the store alone. And then, you know, there was there was a scuffle. There was an attack. So then Brady and another gangster drew their guns and then they were shot and killed. So there are some photographs of their bodies. Oh, Lord. What? Just in the middle of Central Street. And it's become like an iconic local image. Um, No. For a while, right? I know. For a while, it was like hung behind the counter at the gun store. Uh, Dakin's. What? Yeah. Yes. Um, Creepy. It's a a kind of disturbing photo. In In the photo, you also see like a large crowd of people around... <clears throat> so they ended up burying Al Brady's body 
in an unmarked grave at Mount Hope Cemetery. So it was finally, so this was, you know, 1938. It wasn't marked until 2007, just with like a little stone and a brief religious ceremony. Um, A brief religious ceremony was like conducted. And um, I guess there was also, this isn't funny, but it's also like, what? Mm. It was in conjunction with a reenactment of the shootout. Wait, what? (laughs) This just keeps getting more insane. (sighs) So I don't know if maybe that was like some some like fans that were doing that. You know, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But a fun fact, which circles in Stephen King again. um, The murder of fictional gangster Al Bradley in Derry, Maine. In Stephen King's novel, It, it yep. is based on Al Brady in Bangor, Maine. So clever, clever. Wow. But people say that the cemetery is haunted by Al Brady, and sometimes people hear phantom gunshots. They feel cold spots or hear footsteps behind them when no one is near or when it's close to closing. They have pretty strict hours. It is a private cemetery. Um, There are many tours at the cemetery, and I've heard that the locals and those who do the cemeteries have all the inside scoops on the the hauntings that we don't know about. So if you do go, attend a tour. So my friend Jeff, good old Jeff from Bangor, I was talking er talking to him earlier, and he was like, have you been to... The Bucksport Cemetery in Bucksport, Maine. He's like, no. He's like, okay. Talk about Colonel. I almost said Colonel. Y'all, what is happening? She's done for. What is happening? Like, I've said this word correctly since second grade. It's just the cells don't regenerate like they used to at this age, you know? (laughs) Colonel Buck's cursed tomb. So there is a tomb. For Colonel Buck. And he was the town's founder, Jonathan Buck. There is a mysterious stain. And it is like the image of a woman's stocking clad foot. Or maybe boot. Or perhaps a boot. Hmm. But the leg stain on the memorial, according to legend, appeared when Colonel Buck burned a witch and her leg rolled out of the bonfire. What? What? And it was holding a marshmallow. <laughs> Stop. In Hershey's chocolate. Oh. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. You did get me there. I was really like, it was holding a marshmallow? <laughs> sorry. Was it already so disrespectful. and frisky and ready to go? So disrespectful. So his... um. His family members, they've tried to clean the foot off of the stone. They've also replaced the monument twice, but the foot keeps coming back, y'all. It keeps coming That's back. Insane. I'm intrigued by the foot. I want to see the foot. If you're... Yeah, what kind we'll of post stain? It. We'll post it on the gram. <gasps> it, it's like an, it kind of looks like an outline. Yeah. Does it look like it's being like painted on there? Yeah, is someone hacking uh, with us? Good question. It doesn't really appear to be caused by foul play, but, you know, 
At least not by a mortal. Oh. <laughs> I don't know, though. So the curse was called down upon the colonel by the deformed son of the witch. And he said, your tomb shall bear the mark of a witch's foot for all eternity. So there you have it. That I guess that's why th- that foot is on there. Wow. It's just like... She was she was a she was pissed. She was pissed. Um, but yeah, so if you also are in the area, go to Bucksport, Maine, visit Colonel Buck's cursed tomb, let us know what you think of that foot. If you have a foot fetish, uh, just be respectful, please. Look but don't touch her foot. Exactly. Exactly. Unless she invites you, and then it's okay. You see like a finger pop up. <laughs> Consent. Come here. Stop. Stop it. Oh, my Lord. All right. Well, uh, it sounds like your friend has lots of spooky suggestions for us. So tell tell him to keep him coming. <laughs> I, will. I will. Yeah. Well, I got I got a little something spooky for the people. Give it to in, us. In Maine. This is Beckett's Castle in Cape Elizabeth. Wow. Mm. Yeah, so it's not really a castle. It looks, you know, it looks like a castle kind of, but it's actually this historic summer house. Um, It's on Singles Road, which is a private road in Cape Elizabeth. But it's described as a picturesque two-story stone building with a three-story tower. Um, And it was built between 1871 and 1874 by Sylvester Beckett. He was uh, a lawyer in Portland, Maine, and a major figure in the city's literary scene because he was a poet and an author, and he he did a lot of things. Um, And the house was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1974 when it was completed for its association with Beckett and for its distinctive Gothic architecture. So normally I feel like it takes a while for stuff to get on the National Register of Historic Places, but... Yeah. Oh, I guess it did take 100 years. For some reason, I was thinking it happened the year that it was finished. I'm a fool. It took 100 years. All right, but like I said before, if you're on the National Register of Historic Places, it's haunted. There's no way around it. Yeah, exactly. Most definitely. Yes, but the home is facing Casco Bay on the east side of Cape Elizabeth, and it's got quite a view. Beckett was actually an amateur in ornithology, so I'm sure he got some good bird watching in there. Fun. He had a true passion for the birds. Love that. He was also known to throw elaborate parties there with coursed dinners prepared in the home's rustic fireplace. Oh, yeah. Yes, for prominent members of Maine society. Um, It was listed for sale for $3.35 million back in 2017. Uh, The home's owner, Nancy Harvey, passed away. She had actually restored and renovated the house when she bought it in 1981, and she added a bedroom, a living space, an artist studio, a rose garden, and a bunch more. But the people say that her improvements added an even more magical touch to the place. Love it. Yeah. The listing was removed and there's no like sign of sale. So I don't know if it's sold or what happened there. 
But I will say that from the photos I saw, the kitchen was pink. So I'm all in. It was gorgeous. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Gorgina. But uh, residents and guests alike have shared stories of the home's haunting for years and years. It's thought that the home's namesake, Mr. Sylvester Beckett, loved the home so much that he stuck around after his passing in 1882. So he had actually... He himself had really definitive ideas about life after death. And he actually has this poem called Hester, the Bride of the Islands. And he offers us a glimpse of his views. Would you like me to read it to you? Um, Yes. It's very 1800s (laughs) language. It's beautiful. Life, spirit, soul, they come and go. But whence and whither, who can say? A something dwells within, we know. And finds expression through the clay. If the soul dieth, if our years on earth of discord, joys, and tears be all of life, then life is vain, and heaven's great work imperfect. No, death is but a second birth, and man, immortal, oft returns. Such things are not illusions, nay, nay, still do man immortal sway in life's affairs, and often blend with souls of earth in sweet commune. See, he knew. He knew. <laughs> he knew what was up. He's like, I'll be walking here. I'm going to be still living amongst you guys. Yes, exactly. So not only did he believe in the afterlife, but he really thought that departed souls can and do return. And it's said that he actually conducted seances in the home that were attended by his closest friends. And he so believed that he was going to return to Earth that he talked about it all the time. Wow. So it's like it was bound to happen. This was bound to be a haunted home. Mm -hmm. Former owners and residents of the house have claimed to see a bluish human form manifest until it will eventually dissipate into a mist and then move about the house. Whoa. And they think they Whoa. think that <laughs> yeah a they mist? think that this is a it yeah he shows up as a mist or a ball of blue light and they think that it's Beckett himself. Oh. The castle tower is also the site of some really odd occurrences, including like unexplained knocks on the tower door when no one else is in the home, or unexplained cold breezes that flow through it often, which. To me, it's a kind of old house. You know, there might be some some drafts here or there. So I don't know about that, but who's to say? It's also said that photographs and paintings hung by residents have been found, moved to other locations, or placed in different arrangements. Mm. So mm. Mr. Beckett <laughs> sees it and he's like, that's not the look for me. And he's going to move it around. People have also had their bed sheets pulled off and placed in heaps on the floor. (laughs) He's like, these are dirty. He's like, you're filthy. (laughs) By the 1980s, the activity was so pronounced that the owner at the time, the late Robert Linz, enlisted the services of a psychic medium and author of paranormal phenomena named Dr. Alex Tannis, Um, And this was in an effort to intervene and shed some light on what was happening there because there was so much activity. Mr. Lins Hmm. was like, we got to we got to get to the bottom of this. I can't live like this. 
Also along for the ride was a reporter from the Portland Chronicle named Lynn Campbell, who was assigned to this story of the alleged haunting. So they became this little duo. And um, Lynn's shared that among the anomalies that he had been experiencing, there was this picture he had hung on the wall over the stove that had come down no less than four times and been found in the same position each time face down across the room behind the stove. He doesn't like that one. Each time he rehung it, the action would repeat itself until he was finally like, I'm done with this. He also said that on more than one occasion, he was being held down by an unseen force in his living room. Hmm. What? Yes. Sounds sensual. Oh. And then in a particularly spooky instance, I will say this one gave me the heebie-jeebies. So the door that led from his bedroom to the tower kept opening and closing by itself, like with great force. So finally, he said, heck it. He nailed it shut, trying to put an end to it. And the door opened again. The nails were like pulling out of the casing of the door and they were flying across the room at him, just barely missing his head. What? Yeah. Cute. Yeah. He had, he had so many stories in the home. He also said that um, one of the more frightening events for him personally was there was this noticeably hot wind that forced the front door open, rushed through the house, and then forced the back door open as if letting itself out. <laughs> and he said that all of this <laughs> occurred during a winter storm, so the hot air was especially startling. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, too, normally, like, when a vacuum is created between doors, it's like they both kind of shut. But this was like the doors were opening, which is really bizarre to me. I don't know how to explain that. Yeah. So when this crew came to Mm -hmm. investigate, Dr. Tannis walked through and he immediately claimed that he sensed multiple spirits in the house moving about. Some, he said, were actually painters who had lived there at a time and were still practicing. So maybe they were the ones who didn't like the art. Then when he came to Lindsay's bedroom door that led to the tower, he claimed that there had been a forceful and physical confrontation of some form with one of the entities on that spot. And at this point, oh. Mr. Lind hadn't told him about the nailing the door shut thing. So he, he saw that, he felt that without being privy to it. That means it's real. Yes, exactly. So then they attempted to contact Mr. Sylvester Beckett, the original homeowner, and the psychic confirmed that he is still in the home and likes to make his presence known. So that night, they utilized a tape recorder to try and document the the happenings, and the journalist who came along... Miss Campbell claimed that there were a series of clicks recorded that made any type of clear playback almost impossible. So it was like something or someone was interfering with their recordings, which mm. we know happens so often with spirits and technology. Campbell and Tannis returned later in the year, close to the 100th anniversary of Beckett's death, and um, 
they set up and Tannis suggested that they do it in the living room because that's where he felt like Beckett was going to be the most president and they would have the most activity. So they're sitting there in complete quiet and all of a sudden Tannis says, he's here. Stop it. Yeah. So then the group heard three knocks come from the adjacent room. Only Tannis and his team were in the home. So they they all went together as a group to go check to make sure, you know, there's no foul play and they confirmed that no one else was in the house. Then when they returned to the living room, Tannis began to channel the spirit of Beckett in a voice not his own. Oh, my. This kind of uh, psychic work spooks me and I don't think that's something I personally ever want to get into. I don't want anyone else's mm. voice coming out of me. No thanks. Yeah, no. Yeah. So <laughs> Beckett was inhabiting his body, however you want to see that, and Beckett went on to explain that he was actually raised to believe in no separation between life and the afterlife and that he had returned simply to do what he loved best, which was, you know, live his life pretty much. And that, that's what he told told the audience there trying right. to investigate the home. Um, and then the journalist, Campbell, approached the entire project with skepticism, as, you know, I think most folks do when investiga- investigating the paranormal. I think you have to go in with that and see what happens. Mm-hmm. But um, during the session, she actually had to leave the room because she was suffering a terrible coughing fit that came out of nowhere and she couldn't explain it. One of the other witnesses, a woman named Veronica, said that her pen would not work when she was trying to take notes during Tannis's trance stage, but it worked fine after the fact. So um, Tannis believed that Beckett had detected Campbell's skepticism and was trying to show her, hey, I can do all of these things. Like, look at me. Okay. I, I, you know, I believe it. Um, oh, and also one more thing happened that night. They were um, recording the session, and when they displayed it, d- what displayed it? When they replayed it, goodness gracious! <laughs> only they only heard static when Tannis had been channeling Beckett. In the second Beckett's spirit left the room, the recording was totally fine. Oh, my God. Yep. These are some high-tech entities. I know, right? For real. And then there was one more account that I found from another former resident. Her name is Lori Lindquist, and she shared, "Um, I lived in this castle in the 70s while in college. We were finishing the floors and doing work on the house. One night, we decided to sleep in the living room by the fireplace. It was a cold night, and all of a sudden, three front doors all opening in different directions, swung open, and a strange burst of hot air blew in from the cold winter night. Paintings would also be tilted or knocked off the wall, and we had to move the art around until it would stay in the place that obviously some other being liked it to be. I even had odd dreams of a girl in pantaloons asking for her clothes back. <laughs> pantaloons! Oh, no. So it's it sounds like they also experienced the art being moved, the hot air, whatever that is. Super bizarre. Something's going on there. Something's up. I'm saying. She's saying. Yeah. 
It's a private residence, so I don't think we can check her out. But you can see her, and people have said that they have seen the blue light, like, around the property. So, who knows? All right, all right. All right. Well, I have one kind of similar. Let's hear it. It's an N. (gasps) A Captain Fairfield in. Oh, Captain. Uh, Captain. When I heard it, I was like, that's got to be a seaman. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> on board. He's probably. And I love a good in. She does. Yeah. So, you know, Captain Fairfield in. I started researching it. Um, you know, there was just like a lot of little stories. And then I got to hauntedhouses.com and they were like, boom, bang, bang. We got the whole big bundle. Yes. That's what we like to see. Okay. Okay. This place is haunted. And Captain Mm -hmm. Fairfield stuck his his booty around. Oh, he wanted to see his home through. And he did. He's still there to this day. Let's talk about it. Let's it's, talk about it. It's in Kennebunkport, Maine. Kennebunkport. Oh, you've been there? Yes. Is it great? It's quaint. It's fun. It's cute. Cute, cute, cute. Well, that, that's where it is. And it's a, it's a federal-style mansion, Ooh. which I've never heard of that kind of structure before. But um, that's what it is. It's a large, it's a large rectangular property. Yeah. It's a big rectangle. It's got nine rooms, but they're luxurious, you guys. They're beautiful. Um, they have, uh, they have. It's it's really made up for the couples, you know. Yeah, romantical. Yeah, the real like honeymoon location, right? So it's very romantic rooms, but like with modern style. They got lux linens, you guys. You know, you want that. Ooh, dive in, please. Please, Who love that. A rainfall. Soaking tubs and a rainfall shower head. Give it to us. Man. We'll take it. I, I want a bathtub. I miss having a bathtub. <laughs> Bathtubs are great. But, like, I don't know if I love the rainfall shower. I like some pressure. Yeah, it's – they're a little too light on the pressure for my taste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you We know. prefer a brutal pressure. <laughs> really get the dirt off, you know? Or power hose, perhaps? Yeah, power wash us. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> that's like the that's ultimately Just, what we want. Yes. Blow the skin right off the bone. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, I mean I'm, this place is still great though. You, they got lovely gardens and trees to enjoy. Luxe trees. A scenic view <laughs> of the Green River. Glimpse of the harbor area below. Lovely. Great Gorgeous. Hospitality. She's painting a picture. Are amazing. Get your breakfast in bed. It's mm-hmm. fantabulous, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, it was owned, you guys, by a bunch of different people. Okay, but it then was bought by the Lake Hotels Corporation. So now it is this inn for us to enjoy. Love it. So let's talk about how it was built, right? Because it was eighteen thirteen. That's a long time ago. Captain James Fairfield, you guys, good man. He was distra- described as good looking. He was self assured. He was tall, dark, and handsome. Ooh. Standing at five and a half feet tall. 
Oh. Yeah, so, oh. you know, I'm going to send a picture. He Michael. was described as tall, dark, and handsome. Yes, the people the people actually have, like, an Instagram for him. Oh, Stop. my god! Like, gosh. they really think he's delicious. He has a fan club? People he were got a fan club, and oh. he's the man. <laughs> okay. What's em- his Instagram? Emily sent us a picture. I'm not, Captain- I'm not feeling it. <laughs> Captain James Fairfield. That's my good-looking seaman. He he was Jamie said to Fairfield. be tall and stocky, and he had curly sable brown hair, long sideburns. You know, b- people were much smaller back then, so maybe five five was pretty tall. Um, and you know, tastes were different. They thought different things were hot, like um, you know, inbreeding and things. So uh-huh. totally, uh, totally. But you know. happy for them that okay, they thought James. he was eye I mean, candy. Okay. <laughs> He's not horrible looking, and yeah. perhaps the painting didn't capture his the essence well, of beauty. I'm gonna tell you about this painting because like he he loves this painting. Okay. Oh. And he to did this it day. in quite a hurry, too. So, you know. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, he, he was, uh, he was also said to be a real positive dude and he was kind. He was said to be thoughtful at heart. So, you know, you know, he, he's okay. He's cool. I guess, you know, we didn't know him, but like, okay, the people loved him. He was born in Arundel. Am I saying that right? It's a district of Maine. Sounds good. Yeah. Sure. Okay. 1784. That's when he uh, was birthed, brought into this world by his mama, into a long line of sea captains. James mm. had a, bu- a boatload, guys, of siblings. Okay. okay. A ton. But he was closest to his sister, Mary, who he liked to call Polly. I don't know why. You would think, like, same, you know. That's even more letters. Is it more letters or the same amount? What was her name? Mary. <laughs> Maybe. What's I four? have no idea. No, it's one more. Yeah. Polly's too much. But they called her Polly. And he was close to Polly. And then his brother, Daniel Mason. So both James and Daniel obviously followed in his father's footsteps, became captains. Polly went on to marry this guy named Joseph Lord. He was involved in building ships. So they were a bunch of seamen. Yeah. You know, they love the nice. sea and I love it because I love the sea. Captain James Fairfield took on his first command at 22, a young well. gun. He, uh, he took on a newly built brig called the Sumner Summers. And it was owned by Tobias Lord Jr. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the the year later, this was 1806. So 1807, he ended up meeting and marrying Lois Walker, who was possibly related to Phoebe Walker Lord, who was the wife and neighbor of Nathaniel Lord, his dad. Hmm. Or no, Joseph Lord. Okay, yeah. So Nathaniel Lord and Joseph Lord, so it was Polly's, Polly's husband's family which is very complicated like very complicated web right very complicated tree here (laughs) (laughs) 
So they're all like involved with each other, right? They're all like living amongst each other. They're working together. Their wives are friends. This whole like neighborhood gang situation. And um, a lot of James trading and voyages and routes that he took on the sea were uh, because he was trading cotton. And so he was going to Charleston, South Carolina, New Orleans a lot. Like he was, he was really never home. But I'll be like, that being said, when he knew and when he met Lois, he was like, I need you to be like taken care of, right? Because like, I'm never around, but you got to have somebody to hang out with. So he was like, let's get some land. So he got, he, he got some land from his family friends, which were like the Lords and then, you know, the Fairfields and, you know, whoever else was on the property at the time. And they built this house all together so that his wife Lois had a place to like stay and hang out with her other homie, the other wife that Nathaniel or I mean, James was out with. You get me? Yep. I think I'm okay. following. People love to build a big family house back then for like multiple families. Yeah. So very cool. But this this is where it gets rough. James Fairfield, he was out, out at sea during the War of 1812. And no. he was taken. He was captured. <gasps> he became a prisoner of war. Yes. So very hard life there, you know, but... By, I guess, 1814 or something, he, um, maybe that wasn't the time. He was let go at some point, all right? And then he came back, and between 1813 and 1815, they really got the mansion together. And they built that thing up, and they were like, let's get this done. So crazy, right, that he was like prisoner of of war, and he came back, and he was like still gung-ho, like, let's build a mansion on our land that we bought for you and our other homie wife to hang out. And love live. that energy. It was such positive energy. It was so, you know, the people said it. He made, he made lemons out, lemonade out of lemons. Is that how you say it? <laughs> yes, that he did. <laughs> this is a real positive guy. So I'm going to, like, kind of, like, cut this as short as I can, but, like, the painting, right? So as he was off at sea, he had gotten this painting done for his wife. He was like thinking of his wife and like, oh, like I want to see her. So let me draw myself and send it back. So know? he did the painting. He was sending a selfie. Yeah, pretty much, you know? Cute. But stuff got rough or whatever and the painting got tossed over sea. Oh, and shit. he thought he was never going to see it again, ever. But these guys found it, and they brought the lords into the – they called over the lords and were like, hey, we found this painting of the guy, you know, so, like, come bring this back to him. So, like, <laughs> James didn't know any of this, though, you guys, because as soon as James got back to build the mansion – between 1813 and 1815, he ended up getting pneumonia and died. Oh, my oh, God. In 1820. He so just he ne- could not catch a break. No, he couldn't, but he was so positive. So, But he never found out that, like, um, Mr. Lord, whatever, got the painting and was going to bring it back to be at the property. 
Wow. So his selfie never made it, but then it did. You know what I'm saying? Like he never knew. So like, okay, of course he's going to haunt the place. He had to. The there was no other there choice. To this, yeah, <laughs> no other choice. hanging there. He got there and he saw the selfie and he was like, okay, so I guess I didn't have to do all of this. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, damn it. Like it made it. I'm going to stay with it because I missed it so much. You know, I sat for hours to get this done. So I'm going to live with it now. And that he yeah. did. He's in this he's in he did. this place haunting it. To this Hardcore. day. Hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's like the only one. I mean, that's not what Haunted Houses says. They, they say there's a couple people. They don't give any real names. But like James is the main. The main We guy. had parties. So yeah. maybe he just invited some some nameless ghosts over to keep him company. Listen, he hangs out in, in the basement. Mm. You know? Typical guy. In a corner. As a shadow. Typical guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's like standing in a corner in in the and he's a dark shadow. And they say it's just because he's just kind of like, you know, he doesn't want to he's a little shy, maybe. He doesn't want to cause too much commotion because he does like that the house is hosting all these great people he loves that and so he's hanging out there you know he's he's what else is he doing he's he's definitely in the room where the painting is and the painting is like hanging up in this living room space so that that picture i sent you guys actually is the selfie we love it. Yeah. She's unforgettable. I'm going to dream about that picture tonight. <laughs> I know. By the way, are you guys hearing like doors slamming behind me? Did you hear that? No, it was Holly. No. Oh, sorry. The neighbors got home. <laughs> they need to you move know. out. <laughs> but so I really think he probably is there um, and people can sense him. They always say they feel like a warm, kind presence, you know, around them. And that was him. And of course, there's that dark shadow in the basement. And of course, he's yeah, he's like apparently felt within the room of the painting. So it's pretty cool stuff, I'd say, you know. I love that demon in his home. I love how committed he was to getting to the house. I do too. Uh, well, what a guy. You know, that's if there's um when you build something and then you don't get to like see it all the way through, really. I mean, it was like five years later, you know, yeah. and he like really put his heart and soul into that prob- property. Uh, I mean, after true. being a prisoner of war, you come back and you're like, let's build this bitch. At least and now then you he get has, pneumonia. Yeah. Now he and, has somewhere uh, nice. And then all, the whole time you had done this freaking selfie for six hours. <laughs> and you think it's last at sea. Hey, and then who you hasn't, die and it comes back. Who hasn't Mm-mm. shared a selfie that took six hours, you know? You gotta That's find too the much right for light. me. That is I also haven't, but I know someone has. In the wild. It takes like a million years to get the right light, you know? <sighs> Wow. Safe to say Maine is sufficiently haunted. Amen. 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 
Amen. Amen. Oh, my God. She's so good at what she does. Amen. <laughs> All right, kids. This is a long one. We're getting up yeah, there. Yeah, it was really long. I'm getting... I'm falling asleep. So I'm going to say to the people... Send us your stories to the Golden Ghouls podcast at gmail.com. We got another ghoul talk just around the corner. So maybe you'll be featured. Hard to say. And uh, yeah, anything else? No. 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 Until next time, stay spooky. Ooh. Ooh.